This is a Radio.com original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Radio.com studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. Are you vaccinated? Are your friends? If so, invite them over, have dinner, give them a hug, take off the mask. The CDC says it is okay. They are finally out with some of the guidelines for what vaccinated people, fully vaccinated people can and cannot do. He is back. Dr. Anthony Fauci joins us again to discuss the vaccines and the possibility of a new surge. He'll also be joined by the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, who is working to make sure vaccines are getting into enough arms around the city. Disneyland's given the go-ahead to finally reopen once the county it's in, Orange County, down here in Southern California, gets to the next tier of coronavirus restrictions. So we'll get into how the restrictions at theme parks and sporting events are being eased and, uh, you know, whether you should actually go. Let's uh, start with the new CDC guidelines. Dr. Heidi Suters is an epidemiologist at the Global Immunization Division over at the CDC. She's also, by the way, co-author of the CDC's guidance for the fully vaccinated. So, doctor, if I'm vaccinated and say so is my neighbor, can we have dinner together and take off our masks? Yes, you can. I hope you have a wonderful dinner together. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Okay, so now it gets tricky. Uh, I'm vaccinated. I want to go and visit some folks who are not vaccinated. I'm not necessarily worried about getting COVID. What about the people I'm having dinner with? So in this case, you really need to think about the people that you're having dinner with, those unvaccinated people, and if they might be at risk for severe disease. So if you are a vaccinated person and you want to go have dinner with unvaccinated people from a single house and no one's at high risk, go for it. Enjoy your dinner. If those people are from multiple households or if any of those unvaccinated people are from households with people who are at increased risk for severe COVID, then you should maintain the precautions such as masking, social distancing, and gathering together in a, in a well-ventilated space. So that starts to answer our question about, like, house parties. Like, can I throw a, a post-COVID vaccine razor because I'm very happy? <laughs> Getting multiple households, multiple people together where it's unclear, this is still probably a, a, a no-good situation. I'm sorry to say, but it's just not time for that yet. What about, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, someone who's vaccinated and and it's okay to have dinner with other people who are vaccinated. Uh, But what about variants, right? We keep hearing a lot about those. Uh, Isn't there the risk that even if I'm vaccinated and let's say I have dinner with Mike and maybe Mike's vaccinated, maybe some variant is going to do us harm? Yeah, the the variants are definitely uh, a situation that we're keeping a very close eye on. Uh, the COVID vaccines are likely effective against emerging variants, um, but but we're you know learning more and more about this every day, and you know this guidance was issued to provide us uh, some hope and some next step towards uh, regaining some of our pre-pandemic activities, and this can be done not with zero risk, but with low risk to those involved, and so you know it's it's very difficult to say there's zero risk to that. So you helped write these, and I'm sure you were watching last week when everybody was asking, well, where are they? We keep waiting for them. Was it difficult to try and find that line about, okay, like we said at the the outset of this, you can let your hair down a little bit, but we're still in a pandemic, versus where we were a few weeks ago, vaccinated people were, were upset, and I think rightfully so, because the guidance said, well, keep doing exactly what you're doing, see no one, wear a mask all the time. And they're wondering, well, I got this shot, why can't I do anything? <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a continuous conversation and a continuous risk benefit calculation. And this is this new guidance represents the very first step of what we hope uh, will be multiple steps towards uh, regaining some of these activities. And as we learn more about COVID vaccines and transmission and the variants, we'll continue to update this guidance over time. And you know, this initial step is um, where we are now based on the current evidence. And as we learn more, we'll move towards taking that next step. You know, and, and in talking about the degree of risk that one is willing to accept, am I right that we are not likely anytime in the near future to be at zero risk? I mean, there isn't zero risk for almost anything I can think of. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Zero risk is um, not very feasible in current circumstances. <laughs> So this has to be a very careful risk-benefit calculation. And, you know, we're balancing the emerging scientific evidence with the, um, you know, the known challenges of continued uh, social and physical isolation from each other. And so we're, we're recalculating that balance every day and we'll continue to adjust our recommendations in turn. When it comes to that, how far are we, do you think, if we're even going to ballpark it from other changes? And what would those be? And, you know, we're not talking two weeks because we know vaccines are still going into arms and we're working on this. But if we're in a couple months down the line, what could things theoretically look like for people? Well, uh, I know that, you know, this guidance is specifically for non-healthcare settings. And I know that uh, similar guidance for healthcare settings is in the works. We know that a lot of people have questions about wanting to go visit their family members, for example, in long-term care facilities or nursing homes. Uh, and so I think that that will be a next step coming soon to provide more guidance about how that can be done safely uh, once those uh, nursing home residents and our family members are fully vaccinated. Uh, and then, you know, additional things are down the line. I know we're receiving a lot of questions about uh, how this relates to travel, um, and and things like that are, are on our minds and will be addressed as soon as we have evidence to inform those recommendations. There's a, a real possibility that in the not too distant future, places like Disneyland may be open uh, to a limited degree, Dodger Stadium to a limited degree. If somebody is vaccinated, fully vaccinated, should they feel comfortable going to that kind of setting, an amusement park, a sports stadium where presumably a lot of the people there would not have been vaccinated? Yeah, so so currently we continue to recommend against medium or large size events or gatherings like you're referring to, um, in-person gatherings. Uh, the more people that get together, you know, the greater the risk of transmission for everyone involved, both vaccinated and unvaccinated. So at this time, we continue to recommend against those types of events, uh, but we'll continue to reevaluate moving forward. Dr. Heidi Suters, epidemiologist at the CDC, helped to co-author the new guidance. Dr. Anthony Fauci is back on the podcast with us. You've seen him everywhere touting the vaccines, but preaching caution as well. He's not alone with us. So we're also joined by Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. L.A. recovering from the winter. We were hit hard. Hospitals were wondering if they'd have to ration care. It's looking like better days are ahead, but there is some concern with the variants out there, of course. Dr. Fauci, let's talk about that. We keep hearing about the light at the end of the tunnel, but how much longer, how much shorter is the tunnel? Well, the tunnel gets shorter and shorter as more people get vaccinated. Um, we are in an interesting situation right now where we had the worst surge nationwide. I mean, individual states did it a little bit differently, peaked 
and then started coming down now in a very sharp decline. But the last week or so, it's kind of plateaued as opposed to sharply continuing to come down. That always leads to the caveat in everything we say. When we say now's not the time to think that we've won this war, we still have to do things, including importantly, to get as many people vaccinated as we possibly can. The president has said, and, and uh, it's gonna happen that way, that by the time we get to the end of May, we will have enough vaccines to vaccinate everybody in the country who can be vaccinated. I mean, obviously some of the children and others would require uh, clinical trials before you could feel you could safely vaccinate them. But we'll have enough to vaccinate. The, cr the critical issue is how do you get the vaccine into the arms of people as quickly and as expeditiously as possible, particularly concentrating on equity so that when you have brown and black people who suffered disproportionately from the epidemic, both from getting infected and from getting serious consequences, how do you get the vaccine to them? The sooner and the more effectively we get people vaccinated in an equitable manner, that tunnel is going to get shorter and shorter and that light is going to get brighter and brighter. So are we getting better at doing that? And, and Mayor, feel free to chime in on, on what we're trying to do here in L.A. to make that happen. I, you know, we've built, and I was talking to Dr. Fauci this, I think the strongest vaccination infrastructure to accept that onslaught of vaccines that's coming um, in the next few weeks, the next couple months, um, per capita, as well as absolute numbers. We have over 500 places from, you know, the pharmacies that we're working with the feds on, federal sites, city-run sites, which are doing the, the largest amount of any one entity, our healthcare providers, the county, and our clinics. So, you know, as well as mobile teams where we're bringing the vaccines to you. So, you know, for instance, today uh, in the city of Los Angeles, we could do double just in the city-run sites, including Dodger Stadium, we think the largest in the world. We could do double the number of vaccines if we had the supply today. So we're going to be ready to meet that moment. What's important now is convincing people to really go when it's your turn, because I think people are used to, well, my turn's either not coming for a while or folks who are a little skeptical, and especially in communities where we have language barriers or traditional, um, you know, historical reasons to be uh, cautious, we're really pressing hard that this is going to save your family's life. Don't let your family die. Don't let your community get disproportionately impacted. We can save your life, but it depends on you stepping up. You know, uh, and I was wondering, uh, and this is to you, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, I guess I'm somewhat puzzled uh, on people who don't want to or are afraid of getting the vaccine. And, and I've mentioned this on, on the show uh, before. Uh, I was in, uh, still am, after the Pfizer trial. So uh, I was originally given the placebo. Then I was unblinded. Now I got the real stuff. So I like to joke that I've actually been vaccinated four times. And so I have, I, have, I have to admit some difficulty understanding people who say, no, nah, I'm going to wait. I, I, I don't think I want to get vaccinated. Do you quite get it? Well, you know, I do because I've been dealing with people who have various interpretations of the importance of vaccines. Um, there are a couple of issues that are going on that are, that are complicate. First of all, there, there are people who don't get want to get vaccinated because they're completely against vaccines in general. That's a relatively small fraction of people. Other people have hesitancy because of logical questions that they're asking that we're trying to answer, like, did you guys go too fast? You talk about vaccines taking years to develop. 
the virus was first recognized in January. And then in December, you're already putting vaccine in people's arms. What they don't fully appreciate, and it's understandable that they don't appreciate it. I'm not, you know, um, indicting them for that. It's, it's that the science that went into the allowing of the speed was incredibly important science that went on for decades or more before the vaccine was developed. And people think you just start working on something when you get the new virus, but no, the platform technology, the mRNA and the other types of approaches, the imaging design, all have been going on years ahead of time. So you gotta try and outreach to people to make sure that the questions they have about it are actually being answered in an adequate way. Unfortunately, there is the divisiveness we have in our country that some people for reasons that are, you know, I mean, I know we had that issue about masks, you know, wearing a mask was a political statement or not. If you were on one side of a political spectrum, you wore a mask. If you're on the other side, you didn't. That was really quite destructive because the one thing you don't want when you're fighting a common enemy of a deadly virus is political divisiveness in your own country where political overtones get into the public health message. If there's any of that with the hesitancy to get vaccinated, we really got to get rid of that because that is nothing but just diminishing our capability of responding. One, one other comment before I, I get back to your, your question is that I was just uh, chatting with Mayor Garcetti for the few minutes before we got on, and I'm looking at the programs that Los Angeles has put together for equity and it's like, uh, you know, it's extraordinary because the president has said he wants equity. So we're going to have community vaccine centers that we can put them in areas where there are demographically high representation of minorities. We want pharmacies to be fully stocked in those neighborhoods. We want to have mobile units to go out and to the less than well represented areas that are not easily accessible. And I'm looking at the list that I asked my staff to put together. And you know, you have the vaccination program, the mobile outreach, the move program, the dependent homebound population. I mean, I, I gotta tell President Biden about this when I see him tomorrow <laughs> and, and tell him about all these types of things that are going on. I'm sure he already knows it, as a matter of fact, but- I, I didn't, I didn't really, pay Dr. Fauci I was to gonna say, say Mayor. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna go to What your, did you say before the show? Yeah, this is gonna go to your head. Uh, <laughs> We're so, doing it right. All right, so, but okay, so so kudos uh, to you, Mayor Garcetti, but now let's look at, and I don't wanna spend really much time at all uh, dwelling on the past. I think there's much more important and stuff going forward. But what things do you wish had gone differently, uh, Mr. Mayor, in the city and the county of Los Angeles, especially in the earlier days of this pandemic? You know, I was asked a question recently, one of my press briefings, do you regret uh, that we closed things down quickly? We were the first big city in America to close down most everything. San Francisco went a step further uh, the next day. And then the day after that, we equaled what they had done. Um, but I said no, uh, because you can't count the living. You can only count the dead. You can't count the lives that you saved. And of course, there's small things. Uh, earlier on, I would have said, let's put, to, put aside the political and partisan battles that Dr. Fauci mentioned. I would have looked for national leadership that would have helped us um, from the White House down, make sure we could do asymptomatic testing, which I think came quickly, but uh, we had about a third of all the cases we caught came from being 
first big city to say, we don't care where you live. We don't care whether you have symptoms or not. And we've done 4 million tests, just the city of LA alone, uh, since we started this directly, which is the biggest provider in the country um, of direct tests in any uh, geography. But we had extraordinary leadership. I don't think Dr. Fauci ever minced his words. It was clear. Um, sometimes people played politics and then it was really on us. If I said we could do something better, it would have been, yeah, don't get together and party uh, the 4th of July. Um, as we had two title runs um, for both the uh, playoffs in basketball and for the World Series, I've got to believe people kind of cheated a little bit, went indoors and hung out with each other. Um, these things could have saved lives too. But by and large, given the vulnerability that the CDC said Los Angeles had, because we're a denser populated metro area than even New York, we've got a higher poverty level. Those things combined to us, we should have been at the very top of the list. And if we were, you know, we're about 26th of the states right now, maybe 29th, depending on how you count it, California, and we saved a lot of lives. So not a lot of regrets, um, just a lot of sadness at some of the economic loss that we had. But I'd rather have people living um, than more people dead, even if it meant that a few more places were open. Doctor, if you could go back and change something, what would it be? And this, we mentioned a year ago, I mean, there's people today even saying, you know, a year ago, Dr. Fauci said you don't have to wear a mask. And then he went back and said, oh, no, you do. That still comes up. Yeah, I think that's a lack of appreciation that you have an evolving situation and you make decisions and guidelines based on the information that you have. And if you follow the tenets of science, as you get more information, more data, more evidence, then you are really obliged to change recommendations, change guidelines. So let me give you an example, because this keeps coming up and it's really unfortunate because it's used by people who want to make it seem like science is not the way to go. Don't, don't, you know, don't follow the science. When we were first being confronted with this early on in the beginning of 2020, there was a feeling that there was more than a feeling, it was a reality that the personal protective equipment was in short supply, including masks. And it was felt that if we said, everybody go wear a mask, particularly since there was no real data that masks worked at the time, that everyone would buy up the masks and the people who were risking their lives every day to take care of patients wouldn't have enough masks. So the Surgeon General and I said, hey, you know, you don't really need to go out and get a mask. We need to save them for the people who need them. The second thing is we didn't even know they worked because we knew that in, a, in an operating room, which I've been in many times, you have the surgical mask, which is the N95, it works, it's good. The third thing that we didn't know is that the virus was spread predominantly, or at least equally, by people who had no symptoms, apropos of what the May was saying about testing asymptomatic people. So for that, at that time, the thing was we said, we don't really think you need to wear a mask. Then what happened? the science evolved. A, it became clear that there was not a shortage of masks because you could make cotton masks that would work easily as well. B, the data began to accumulate that we didn't have before, that masks actually work to prevent you from infecting others and to protect you from getting infected. And third, we learned something we didn't know, that 40 to 60% of the infections are transmitted by people who are not symptomatic. Therefore, everyone should wear a mask. So it wasn't 
that we said we changed our minds, what changed was the information that informed our decisions. Let me uh, address this to both of you gentlemen. Uh, As both of you know, one of the hottest topics in in this pandemic uh, world that we now find ourselves in, schools and whether or not uh, they're safe for students to go back into. Uh, It's important to parents. It's certainly important to uh, school kids. Teachers, many of them, understandably, they're in age groups where they they are more susceptible to uh, high-risk infections if unvaccinated. so let me start with Mayor Garcetti and then bounce it off of Dr. Fauci. And let's confine it to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, is this a proper time to open up schools for children, Mayor? I believe it is with the protections and the prioritization. Uh, we put school employees, including teachers, right at the top of that list. I was glad to see and talk to the governor about prioritizing those workers. Uh, We've seen the damage to our children. We're the only district of the top 10 in the country now that doesn't have a more robust opening. And I hope we can accelerate that. We need the ventilation. We need the vaccination. But I'll I'll put the proof points here. We've essentially been running schools in the city of Los Angeles, though I don't have direct authority over LA Unified or any other school district, unlike other cities. We had our recreation centers properly distanced with young kids, same demographics, poor neighborhoods, communities of color, eight, 10 hours a day without huge outbreaks anywhere, running essentially educational programs this entire year. So those lives are just as important as a teacher's lives. They're equally sacred. And we've been able to protect the lives of our city workers, essentially providing that childcare and education, logging onto Zoom programming, et cetera. So I do think that we, we have to get to yes together. I understand the fear. I've talked to a lot of teachers and even parents who are fearful. But at least that option to build that trust and to build that confidence as we're seeing in parochial schools, et cetera, it's time to do it um, before it's too late in this school year. And I hope at least for our elementary school kids, especially, we can get that open this coming month. And, and Dr. Fauci, there's been districts in you know, other states that, that never closed through all this. Right. You know, I, I, I'm just taking up with, uh, with Mayor Gossetti said, uh, the easiest way, first of all, the default position should always be do whatever you possibly can to get the children back to school for the reasons that Mayor Garcetti articulated. It's very important to get them back, but we wanna make sure we do it to the best as we possibly can with attention to the safety of the children, the teachers and the educational personnel. And there are ways that you do that. If you look at the CDC guidelines, they do outline a number of ways that you can actually make it safer to have the children in school. Two things are gonna be happening as each day goes by that are gonna make it easier and easier to get the kids back to school. One, more and more people are being vaccinated in the community. And the lower the level of infection in the community, the easier it is to get the kids back to school because that would reflect what's going on in the community. Secondly, California, as well as a number of other states, I know it's coming from Washington to suggest that, is making teachers a high priority in the 1B group, which is individuals who have essential jobs and positions in society. So if we can get more teachers vaccinated, give them a high priority, get more people in the community vaccinated, get the resources to the schools to be able to open safely, I believe in the next several weeks to months, you're going to see a lot more schools opening quite safely. Uh, Mayor Garcetti, I, I think I'm correct. You've been fully vaccinated, yes? 
I've now just got my second dose last week. Yeah. Okay. So, Dr. Fauci, in another week or so, once the mayor is considered, I guess, fully vaccinated, right, two weeks or so after the, the second dose, uh, can he travel? You know, that that is an interesting question. The CDC came out today with the first in a series of recommendations that they are going to make regarding vaccinated people. The thing they came out with today was what a vaccinated person can do with another vaccinated person in the setting of the home. And secondly, what a vaccinated person can do with an unvaccinated person, whether that person is a low risk or a high risk individual. Quite soon, you're going to see formal recommendations about traveling, about whether or not once you're vaccinated, you really can go safely travel. Certainly, everybody that travels should be wearing a mask. So I would think if a person has to travel, remember now, traveling is discouraged because of the level of infection in community. But many people just have to travel. So if you're vaccinated and you're traveling, you still should wear a mask for the simple reason that you have to wear a mask when you get on a plane and when you get on a train. But more granular description about what you can do in the arena of travel will be coming out reasonably shortly from the CDC. Before we let you go, doctor, uh, people making their lists of boy things I want to get back to. You know, I think last time one of our colleagues asked you, well, what is that? You said, I, I want a burger and a beer at a bar. But what show, <laughs> what concerts do you want to see when we can all fill up an arena again? Yeah, I want to see a good movie in a movie theater. And I want to see <laughs> Hamilton again in the theater. But I also want to go to a ball game. <laughs> And that's where I want to have my my Frankfurt or my beer. Yeah, my the hot dog the and the beer game. at the baseball game. Perfect. Mr. Mayor, final word for you. Uh, what would you want to do once we finally get not to just the light at the end of the tunnel, but we're fully bathed in that <laughs> light? The tunnel. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I just want to thank a great American, Dr. Fauci, on behalf of the City of Angels for the lives you've saved. But what I'm looking forward to doing... One of them I already got to do because my parents got vaccinated. I got to hug my parents for the first time in months and months and months. But second, I got to say, getting to Dodger Stadium, which is the shadow of the largest testing site and one of the largest vaccination sites in the world, to be able to see the world champion uh, Los Angeles Dodgers get back on the field. I think will make me feel like life is back to normal. See, there's your answer, folks. The mayor, the doctor, baseball. That's yes. what we're doing after this. Dr. Fauci, come over to Dodger Stadium. We'll make our dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, mayor. Well, Thanks. You know what? We'll all go. We're all going to go. <laughs> all we're going to baseball games. <laughs> all right. Dr. Mayor, thank you so much. Coming up after this short break, Joy will return to the happiest place on earth. California finally gives the green light for Disneyland to reopen next month. That's provided Orange County meets certain COVID metrics, which it is on pace to do. Yeah, Disneyland, other theme parks, Universal Studios, and then sports venues, you know, stadiums, baseball games. So now that people are able to do those things, or soon will be, should you? You're going to stay at home for a little while longer. Dr. Jeffrey Klausner, epidemiologist, clinical professor of preventative medicine at USC Keck School of Medicine. So, doctor, um, would you go to Disneyland or Dodger Stadium? Yeah, that's an easy question uh, for me because I have been vaccinated. I completed my two shots. Uh, we know the vaccine is highly effective at preventing Hot, severe illness, hospitalization, and death. So um, I, I would go. I would definitely go feeling highly protected by the vaccination. 
And let's say you're someone who hasn't been vaccinated, but you hear there's going to be rules. Obviously, they're not going to let everybody in like they used to. It's going to be more spread out. There's capacity limits. Does that change your thinking? These are outside places. I am going to Disneyland. I'll be inside for some of the rides, but I'm walking around outdoors. Sure. Well, the second way you can know if you're protected, you know, not only have it been vaccinated, is to know if you've actually ever been sick or infected and have a measurable antibody. So uh, we do know that uh, while reinfection can occur, it occurs very rarely. And most of the time when people do get reinfected, it's a much milder illness. So um, I would feel comfortable if I were, had a previous COVID-19 infection or if I had a positive COVID-19 test or a positive antibody test, that my risk would be very, very low and I would go. Well, you know, uh, but let me bring up the dreaded, uh, and I'm putting dreaded in, in quotes at the moment, dreaded variants, because, uh, okay, so you've been vaccinated, you would feel comfortable with uh, the risk or whatever it is uh, going, but is that actually, no offense, is that smart? I mean, might you be clobbered by a variant? Well, you know, we know the vaccines were studied in places where the variants were circulating, in places like Brazil, places like South Africa, and the vaccines worked exceedingly well to prevent the serious illnesses, hospitalization, and death. True, they didn't work necessarily as well to prevent mild infection or infection overall, but what we care about with COVID-19 is the serious health consequences. And if this didn't cause serious illness, we wouldn't really care about it much at all. I guess part of this also comes down to everybody's just risk-benefit analysis, right? Which we've all been running the last year, knowingly or not. Maybe I'm comfortable popping into Starbucks or going for, uh, you know, some food outside, but I'm not at the Disneyland point yet because I haven't been around that many people in, I don't know, 11 months. So, uh, and that's totally okay, right? It, it is definitely a personal decision, but we also have to make people, you know, feel comfortable with the need to, you know, go out, go back to work, go back to school. The vaccine provides the protection that we've been seeking for a long time. We've seen actually great benefit at the population level, right? We're at the lowest positivity in Los Angeles that we've been to since we started measuring positivity. Cases are dropping dramatically, hospitalizations are dropping. So we're getting to a better place. Granted, okay, we're not there today, but over the next few weeks, months, we will be. And outdoor events, certainly going to outdoor sporting events have always been lower risk. Going to outdoor, you know, Disney events have been lower risk. Yeah, potentially packed in a crowded, you know, dropping tower elevator or something with a lot of, you know, young unmasked people, increased risk, but people can balance their risk and benefit. Dr. Jeffrey Klosner, epidemiologist. Play ball. I'm just practicing. Uh, Moms who get uh, vaccinated might also be protecting their babies. A small study shows antibodies induced by both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines can pass into breast milk. A week after the first shot, all of the women had COVID-19 antibodies in their breast milk. Antibody levels fell slightly afterward and then sharply increased after the second shot. The scientists say further research is needed to figure out how long the antibodies are in the breast milk, as well as their impact on a baby. Find us on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.